I've also been rejuvenated by, at least encouraged by, some of the incredible angel stories you guys are telling me. <laughs> We've been talking about angels the last couple of weeks. The book of Hebrews talks about angels. And last week in particular, at the, in between services and after the service, and then throughout the week, got a couple letters of some really funky angel stories. Um, and what I like about these is that it's not, you know, I knew a person who heard of a person who heard of a person who had a cousin who, bum, bum, bum. No, this is the firsthand stuff. Some of it is just absolutely fantastic. A lot of you that wouldn't raise your hand in the service when I asked this question afterwards came up and told me that you had in fact heard angels at different times during the worship service, you chickens. I, I asked how many people had heard that, about nine people raised their hands, making me feel like I should belong in a sail asylum. But um, a number of you afterwards said, well, you know, I, okay, I, I think I might have. You know, it's, it's one of those things. We in the West here are so uncomfortable about admitting that sort of flaky supernatural stuff one person told me that they actually had them on tape. They recorded uh, a music ministry on tape and actually got them on, on the tape, um, singing parts that weren't at all in the music. There's just some, it's encouraging to hear that. I might share a couple of those a little bit later on. One person, uh, I, the real succinct version of their story was, was this. They were uh, driving down a road and well, they had just found out they had, they had gotten brain cancer and um, they had a huge tumor that had to be operated on, and it was uh, very serious. This person, as a ministry, picks up hitchhikers, um, which I don't ordinarily encourage, but this person says they do. This was in the early 70s, or I guess late, late, later 70s. Anyways, picks up this, this young lady. They drive for a little while. They don't talk about anything in particular. He never mentions the, the brain cancer or anything like that. And then she says, I want to get out now. And there wasn't anything really around. They're out in the middle of nowhere, but she says, this is where I'm supposed to get out. So he kind of bewildered, he pulls over to the side of the road, and just as she's getting out, she says, now the reason why you picked me up is that I'm supposed to tell you that you don't need to worry about that cancer. It's not unto death, the Lord is with you, be at peace. And she gets out of the car, and he's just sort of dazed. He drives off, looks in his rearview mirror about a couple hundred yards down the road, and there's no one there, and they're out in the middle of nowhere. And this isn't about I heard of somebody who hurt somebody who hurt somebody. This sort of stuff happens, because the Bible says in Hebrews 13 that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. We're not aware of it. They take human form. They're there. I bet a lot more of us have had experiences sort of like that than, than we're willing to admit publicly. Because we don't want to feel flaky. But we're just flaky enough to go ahead and admit it around here. Because if it's biblical, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Okay, I want to continue this study. I want to finish up, in fact, this study on the book of Hebrews. Not, not the book of Hebrews. The study on the book of Hebrews, right. Um, <laughs> chapter 1 of Hebrews. And study up this, uh, study up, finish up this uh, talk on angels here. Let me just read the chapter. Hebrews chapter 1, NIV version. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many different times and in many different ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And after He provided purifications for sin, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty in heaven. So He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited, which is Lord, is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are My Son, today I become Your Father? Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. 
And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. Let all the angels worship him. And speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. In other words, they do a lot of good things. Praise God for that. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God. Amen? Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. This ain't no angel. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions, companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all will wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years are forever and ever. They will never end. And to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand, sit in my glory, sit in my power, it means, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for angelic presences, but I thank you most of all for you, for who you are, for what you have done for us. I pray, Lord God, that this morning would just rain out truth, that there would be clarity brought to this issue here. Lord God, that this would become more real to us. I pray, Lord God, for spiritual protection even as we're speaking here so that evil angelic presences could not distort what is being said, and that in all things you would be glorified, that you would reign supreme. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we talked about two things, basically. We talked about, said two things about angels. They are real. They are real. They are not uh, figments of people's imagination. They're not mythology. They're not symbolic things. They're not fairy tales. Some of the pictures people paint of them are fairy tales. They're, 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 they're unreal. But in terms of who they are, they are real. The world is teeming with spiritual beings. It's populated with spiritual beings, intelligent spiritual beings. And every culture that's ever existed except for our own the last several hundred years has known that. They've intuitively known that. The second thing we saw about these angels is that they are personal beings, which means they are intelligent. They have a mind of their own. They can think on their own. They have character, <coughs> various uh, characteristics and they have a free will. We saw last week that some of these angels um, rebelled against God and are now evil. But like a parent of a child, when the parent turns evil, the child suffers because that parent doesn't lose their parental authority because they turn evil. That's what free will is all about. God cannot simply rescind a gift that he gives because you're misusing it. Otherwise, it really wouldn't be a gift. So God gives us and gives angels the gift of free will, and he can't rescind it just because we're misusing it. So the parent of a child who, who turns evil can inflict tremendous pain on that child. So also, angels are given charge over us. They're given charge over the earth. Satan himself is called a guardian cherub in Ezekiel 28. And when they turn evil, when they rebel against God, they don't lose all their authority. And the cash value of that insight is this. It explains, at least goes a long way in explaining why the world is in such a mess. Why there is what we call the problem of evil. Why there's so much suffering in this world. Because we are literally, very literally now, caught in the crossfire of a cosmic war. We suffer accordingly. And so often, people ascribe to God what evil angels do. I think God's tired of it. God's on the good side, you guys. 
Get mad at evil angels. Get mad at Satan and his legions. Fight against them like Jesus fought against them. He didn't just roll over and play dead and accept all the, the garbage that comes down the pipe is coming from the hands of God. He resisted it in the power of God. So also the church is called to be involved in this warfare and resist evil angels and some of their work. Okay, now there's four questions I want to ask this morning. This is just a basic teaching time. There's a lot that's being done about, a lot that's being said, a lot of books that are being published, even a lot of songs that are being sung about angels. And a lot of it contains false information. And because of this angelic explosion, this explosion of interest in angels, I want to just sit down and ask four questions, or at least deal with the four most commonly asked questions that people have about angels, and give some biblical teaching on it. Question number one. Who or what are the angels? Who or what are the angels? And the main thing I want to say here is this. They are not deceased human beings. There is, there has been, for some time, in fact, it creeps up over and over again throughout church history, but it's very present now, the idea that angels are people who used to live. And kids sometimes assume this. Uh, is grandma an angel now? And, you know, you know, I don't want you to go grabbing your son's head and rebuking him for heresy if he says that. I uh, say, no, grandma's with the angels, but she is not an angel now. But there's this idea. You know the song, some of, those of you who are over 35, Teen Angel, Can You Hear Me? Teen Angel, Can You See Me? You're somewhere up above, and are you still my own true love? Or it's, well, that's the idea. What was a guy's girlfriend, or the girl's guy friend, died and went to heaven, so now you've got to be good so you can see your baby when you leave this world. They used to have all those weird, sappy songs, and most of them were theologically inaccurate. Angels were created before the world began. There's no evidence in the Bible that God is still creating angels. God still is creating people, but there's no evidence that he created angels. It seems that there's a, there's, he created a finite number of them. And that's all he wanted to create. Totally different deal than, uh, than with human beings. The Bible says in the book of Job that the angels were singing when the world was created. That means that they were there when the world was created. They, were, they existed before creation. They're not mentioned in Genesis chapter 1, I believe, because Genesis chapter 1 deals with the creation of the physical universe. But the spiritual, the spiritual society that God wanted was already in place there. Uh, Satan shows up in Genesis chapter 3 as a serpent, but the Bible never mentioned his creation. And the reason is, I believe, is because the creation of Lucifer, who became Satan, all that had happened before Genesis 3 ever came around. So the angels, they're not eternal. Colossians 1 says that Jesus Christ created all things. All principalities, all powers, all dominions and authorities were created by the Lord. <clears throat> They're not eternal. Only God is eternal. But they are much older than anyone on earth is. They're a different species altogether. They are usually invisible servants of God. They have, as we said last week, different ranks, different jobs, different functions. There's a hierarchy there. There are archangels. The Bible talks about that. There are principalities. There are powers, dominions. These are different levels of authority. In the same way that the earth is populated with, with beings who have, who have uh, different, different places on the social strata, so to speak. My dog obeys orders for me, but I don't obey my dog. Once in a while, if it's scratching to get outside, I'll obey, but that's in my best interest, so I let her out. <laughs> but now get this. The angels are created above human beings. Human beings. The Bible says in, in, in Hebrews 2, which we'll get to next week, that God has made us a little lower than the angels. And so when Jesus Christ becomes a human being, he's made a little bit lower than the angels. 2 Peter 2 says that the angels are stronger than we are. They've gotten more strength than, than, than human beings. 
So in terms of intelligence, in terms of authority, angels are above us. Some of these beings are cosmic creatures. For all we know, they govern planets. We are beneath them in terms of our, our, our creation. Nevertheless, at least many of the angels serve us. They are, as Hebrews 1.14 says, ministering spirits. But that doesn't mean that we're superior to them. The natural mind thinks that if you serve somebody, you're less than them. But in the kingdom of God, the higher up you are, the greater you are, the more you serve. The, 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 the greatest shall serve the least. And so the fact that the angels wait on us, their job is to minister to us, does not mean that we are better than they are. It just means, in fact, it means the opposite. That they are created higher than we are. And that's why they, they, they serve us. Nevertheless, though we are created lower than the angels, we have a distinct and beautiful role to play in creation. And here's why it's so important to understand that we and angels are totally different species. Because the Bible says that Jesus died for the entire human race. But the Bible never suggests, for whatever reasons God only knows, that God even attempted to salvage those angels that rebelled. Now, unlike the human race, not all angels fell. Only some of the angels fell. We don't know how many. Some, some think from the book of Revelation that it was a third, and that, that may be. It says a third of the, the stars fell from heaven. That may refer to the angels. But in any case, there's nothing that says that, that the Lord tries to redeem them or rescue them. I don't know why. That's his business, not mine. But the Bible does say that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for the human race. It says in the book of Revelation... That when the bride gets to heaven, when the elect get to heaven, Revelation chapter 14, we shall sing a song that the angels cannot sing. It says we will sing a new song. Now the angels have been around, if you can count in this fashion, for billions and billions and billions of years. I mean, before there was ever a universe. You can't count in years because you had nothing to measure it by. But if you could, they'd existed perhaps for billions of years before the physical world ever came, came around. We don't know. Nevertheless, what we do know is this. When we get to heaven and we start praising God and we surround the, 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 the throne of the Lamb and we start worshiping, we're going to have a song in our, on our lips and a song in our heart that has never been sung in heaven before. Because it's a song of redemption. A song of gratitude for God's grace, for the blood that has been shed. It's a song that rejoices in God's mercy and that's a song that the angels do not know, in fact, it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, that the angels desire, they long to look into these things. Speaking of God's grace, the message of God's grace, this blows my mind. Angels are not omniscient like God is. They have finite minds like we do. They don't know everything. They know more than we do, perhaps, but, but they, a lot of things are mysterious to them. What are the things that's mysterious to them? Because they don't understand it because they've never experienced it. And you can never understand what you haven't experienced. They don't understand this gray stuff. They, they look at it, and they're intrigued by it. They long to look into it, but it never happened to them. They are created to display God's glory, to display God's wisdom, to display God's power, to radiate God's life. They are beautiful creatures. They, they are just wonderful creations of God. But when it comes to salvation, when it comes to displaying God's grace, humans have a corner on the market. It is said only of human beings that we that Jesus Christ died for us. It is not said of angels. It is said only of human beings. That he redeemed us out of darkness. That he brought us from the kingdom of darkness into his glorious light. It is not said of angels. It is said only of human beings. That we are to be the bride of, 
of the groom, that we are to be wedded to the Lamb of God, that we are to sit down with that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that we've been washed in the blood, forgiven by the blood, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in high places, that God has lavished unto us His grace and His mercy and His gifts and the riches of His glory that's never said of angels. Makes me glad I'm a human being. And throughout eternity we're going to sing this song that the angels could never ever begin to sing, and that's the song of grace. Of redemption. Now, the angels aren't jealous of this. It's not like they're, they're like, no fair. Because the angels, the good angels at least, I think that the evil angels are just probably royally ticked off. They're always miserable. But the good angels, the Bible says that when a sinner comes to repentance in Luke chapter 15, all the angels in heaven rejoice. They don't quite understand it. But see, creatures that are in the image of God are happy when God is happy. In fact, making God happy is what motivates spiritual creatures. You don't do things to get okay. You do things because it delights God. Pleasing God is your main reason for being. The angels live to rejoice in God's joy. And if it makes God joyful, it makes God happy, they give each other high fives. And so it is with redemption. They're not jealous of this. They've got a role to play. Praise God for that. But we've got a role to play too. And it's a glorious, beautiful... The people who long to be angels when they die are underachievers. Amen. Second question. Can we and should we communicate with angels? Can they read our minds? People ask this a lot. Can angels read our minds? What about evil angels? What about demons? Can they read our minds? What about Satan? I I get asked this question all the time. Can Satan read my mind? It's like, well, well, God can, and that's what I'd worry about if I were you. I wouldn't worry about it. But anyways. The answer that the church has usually given, but I can't, I'm not going to defend it, but St. Thomas Aquinas said that to be a spirit is to be a will, and that, um, well, the the short answer is that uh, angels can read your mind if you want them to. If you will them to, they can. But if you don't will them to, they can't. Your will is the door that opens up or closes communication. And then he he argues a lot in his Summa Theologica uh, for for that position, Uh, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, die on that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, put too much in that. But it is clear, I think, from Scripture that demonic beings and the devil cannot read our mind. The demons throughout the Gospels are always asking questions. They don't know what's going on. They don't know the mind of, of, of Christ. They, 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 Jesus can discern the minds of people. He, has, he gets a word of knowledge. But demons don't have that gift. So they're always asking, you know, why are you here? What are you doing here? Now, if they could read his mind, they, they could know that. But there's no evidence at all that, that demonic creatures... That Satan uh, can, can uh, uh, read our minds. What about verbal communication? Should we talk to angels? I think this is kind of an important thing because right now, what you're having a lot, if you go to B. Dalton's bookstore or Walden's bookstores, you're going to have people who publish a lot of books about communicating with angels. Let me just say this. If you look at the biblical precedent, there are times where people talk to angels, but the angels always initiate the conversation. All right, think about that for a second. If an angel appears to you, and there's nothing unbiblical about this angel, and you got a good feeling about this angel, and everything conforms to Scripture, and the angel talks to you, don't be rude. Talk back. (laughs) There are times when people talk to angels, but there's no evidence of a human being ever seeking to talk to an angel, trying to talk to an angel. The only times where you have human beings trying to talk to some spiritual creature, it's demonic. As, for example, Saul, when he went to the witch of Endor, he's trying to communicate with a spiritual being. The Bible never says that that's okay. If a spiritual being comes to you, that's a different thing, because now God's in control of that, if this is, in fact, an angel that is uh, of genuine light. 
But it's not something that we're ever supposed to seek to do. We're to seek to talk to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's it. Never in the Bible is there anything that suggests that we should ever make requests of angels. This is important, because there's books all over the place that talk about praying to your angels. It's not in the Bible, folks. Never does anyone ask a request of, 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 of an angel or anything that looks at all like, uh, like a prayer. Our requests and our prayers, the Bible says, are to be made known before God. Now, if God wants to use an angel in answering that, that's his prerogative because he's the boss of the angelic army. We're not. But it's not our place to start petitioning angels. That distracts from the relationship that we have with the Lord. Here's another thing. There's a lot of books out there, and some of these are Christians, that talk about ordering your angels around, commanding your angels. And sometimes I've heard Christians say this. I command you to do this. I have the authority of Jesus Christ. I command you to do this or that. Again, I cannot find any precedent for that in Scripture. We are, in terms of creation, a little bit lower than the angels. We're a little bit lower. And so far as I can discern from Scripture, angels take their marching orders from God. He's the captain. We are not the captain. I don't see that we have got authority to start commanding. We don't know enough about this stuff. I don't know what it would... We're just told a little bit about this stuff in Scripture, and it's a little bit presumptuous, I believe, for us to start ordering angels around. Now, God has given to us a lot of prayer power, a tremendous amount of, of, of uh, power set aside that can be actualized, that can be utilized, energized by prayer. And so it's okay to pray, God, send your angels. Lord, send your angels. Protect us or whatever. And God will do that. But that's different than us telling the angels to come around. I think they probably get a chuckle out of that. It's like my dog trying to order me around. Ruff, 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 ruff. Something's wrong with this picture. I don't take orders from you. I just censored a joke, so I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. One other point on this. There is precedent in Scripture for ordering demons around. Jesus ordered demons around. Get out, he said. Okay, there's precedent for that. The Apostle Paul sometimes ordered demons around. Okay, I get out. But note here. When Jesus does it, he's got the authority to do it. When Paul does it, he does it in Jesus' authority. This is very important now. The Bible does say, Jude chapter, in, in Jude chapter 6 and also in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, do not slander celestial beings. And it's clear in the context of those passages that it's talking about evil celestial beings, spiritual beings. Don't go around slandering even evil beings. Here's the point of the passage. Don't go getting cocky about this stuff. This is not stuff to get cocky about. When, and as you grow in the faith, maybe this, for some of you this is kind of new stuff, for some of you this is old hat. But when you come against demonic powers and there's a time and a place to come against them. In fact, there's a lot of times when you've got to come against them. When you take authority over demonic presences that are plaguing you in your mind or plaguing you in your family or whatnot, you need to know that you need to do it under the blood of Jesus Christ, under the authority of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. To the point where it's actually Jesus Christ commanding them through you. You're just the mouthpiece for the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following me here? When we get outside of that authority and we start thinking that it's about us, how spiritual we are or anything like that, we are in serious trouble. A word the Lord gave me just the other night as I was praying about this whole thing. He says, in Christ you have got nothing to fear. Outside of Christ you've got nothing to say. Whatever we do has got to be done in the authority of Jesus Christ. As a youth pastor I knew of several years ago, in fact about ten years ago now, who uh, began to take authority, his authority, over demonic things. As he was, uh, he was a well-known youth pastor, he used to say things like this in, in big rallies. Uh, if, if he'd be getting anointed while he was preaching, whatever, he'd say, Satan, I am your worst nightmare. 
The person fell into very grievous sin sometime after that. And I don't know where he is with the Lord even, but it totally destroyed his ministry. When you start, when we start taking on these, we, these creatures, some of these at least, when you're talking about these celestial beings, you're talking about beings whose authority dwarfs ours in significance. It's like throwing a hatchet at the moon. On your own authority, you, you are a goner. You are just, you've got nothing against them. In terms of creation, you are much, you're puny next to them. But when you step into the Lord Jesus Christ and take on his authority, then they are the ones who begin to tremble. It's very important that we understand that when we're dealing with the spiritual realm, we're always under the authority of the Lord. Number three, how do angelic beings minister to us? In several ways. Some do it by a personal appearance in the form of a human being. I bet if you've been walking with the Lord for very long, and maybe even before you walked with the Lord, I don't know this, I'm guessing, but it's at least possible, the Bible says, that you have come in contact with an angel and you didn't even know it. People have entertained angels unaware. There's several times in the Bible that, where that happens. For example, Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. They show up, they give a word, they give a word of encouragement, like this, this man who picked up this hitchhiker. There's a word of encouragement there. Last year, uh, Cheryl Joss gave this testimony about a, uh, some youth that, down, down in Mexico, how they were sent on a trip to go to this hospital, visit this person in the hospital who was about ready to die. They didn't know what room he was in. They didn't know anything about the hospital. When they got there, they couldn't get into the hospital because they didn't have tickets and their, the visiting hours were over with and, and, and whatnot. So they didn't know what to do. The, the guard wouldn't let them in the hospital. So they went outside uh, on the street corner and they began to just to pray. Well, let's start praying. You know, let's do the ridiculous thing here. Let's start praying. Maybe God will make a way. As they're praying, this old toothless lady shows up there and she's kind of smiling, doesn't talk a word of English. And, and, but she's doing this motion like, like this. And they go, you know, maybe she's senile, or Alzheimer's, or whatever. And so Cheryl just goes, uh, we, we can't go in the hospital. She's like, acting like going to the hospital. She goes, we can't go. We don't have a ticket. So the lady kind of smiles like this, and she walks over to the other side of the road, if I'm remembering it right. And I don't know why she walked over to the other side of the road, but then she turns around, she comes back, and she brings out four tickets to the hospital. She puts them in the, gives them to their hands, and she's still going like this, and, and she's always got this smile, and they, she leads them into the hospital. Now they show the guard, to his amazement, their tickets, and he doesn't even ask anything about the old lady. He doesn't even, like, even see her. They walk in there, the old lady brings them into the elevator, they go up the elevator together. The old lady brings them to this room where this guy is. They don't say a word. They don't talk. She brings them to this guy. They go in there. The people, in the, there's some other visitors in the room. They said, how would you know where we were and whatever? How would you get in here? And they said, the old lady. They turn around. There, there's no old lady there. The lady's gone. And they were able to pray with that young man. And that prayer, the man died the next day. But before then, he gave his heart to the Lord. Angels can show up, praise God. And this stuff is real. I, I get goosebumps when I think about stuff like that. The, the Lord can send his angels to minister to us in a personal way through a, a physical presence. Sometimes angels fight behind the scenes for us. Daniel, behind the scenes, he had Michael fighting for him when this prince of Persia tried to interfere with a prayer that God was uh, uh, sending, uh, answering. Uh, he had Michael fighting for him. Elijah, remember the story about Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 6. They're surrounded by an army. They're scared to death. The servant's scared to death. And so he, and, and his, 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 he's got a young servant there who's just thinking that they're going to for sure get killed. So Elijah prays, Lord, open up his eyes. And his eyes are opened up. And he looks around, and he sees this, 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 uh, ho- this angelic host all on the mountaintops. And these flaming chariots. Angels minister to us by fighting behind the scenes. We have no idea where we might be were it not for this angelic army fighting on our behalf. Got a picture about a year ago in a prayer meeting. 
uh, here at Woodland Hills. And I got this picture. I, we're just thanking God that things have been so blessed around here. I mean, it's just been incredible. And it seems to me that given all the work that's being done in the name of the Lord, there'd be more warfare going on than, than what's going on. And it, we're praying here, and I just got this picture, and it was like these angels that formed this solid bubble around this, uh, in this case, the church was represented by this building. There's this solid bubble, and inside this bubble of this angelic presence, there was peace, there was joy, there was, it was quiet, it was serene, it was beautiful. But just outside of this bubble, this angelic presence, and these angels were all facing outward, and they're like shoulder to shoulder, wing to wing, you know, fighting in this this arched bow here, there was like this ghoulish, macrobate, howlish screaming going on because the demons were so hard trying to break in here, trying to destroy things, trying to prevent from happening what was happening here. But we didn't know a thing about that. We couldn't hear a thing about that. We didn't see a thing about that. And the reason is because we had angelic warriors on our side. This is why it is so important that we in the church understand that what holds us together is prayer, because it is prayer to God that releases that power, that releases those angels to do warfare on our behalf. Angels fight for us in that way, and that way they also minister. The final thing I want to say here is this. In fact, I'm, I'm going to have to continue this next week. Uh, yeah, I know. <clears throat> Why are angels? Why is this stuff being talked about more now? I'm going to close with this. Why is it now that we are seeing, uh, having so much of this angelic talk? And there's a couple things I want to say about this. But I'm just going to close by saying one thing. If you look at the Bible, angels always appear more at turning points in history. When God's plan of salvation is taking on a new twist, doing something different, angels appear more frequently. They're there when, when there's big stuff going on, when God's calling Abraham and whatever. You find that there's these, these angels that appear in visions and dreams and whatnot. You look at the birth of Christ, bam, all of a sudden there's angels everywhere. I mean, you read, you read Luke and Matthew, angels all over the place on the birth of Jesus Christ. You look at the resurrection, there's angels everywhere, inside the tomb, outside the tomb, on the road. There's angels everywhere. If you look at history, you can find that people record seeing a lot of angelic presences just before major things happen. Before the bubonic plague wiped out about a third of all of Europe, there was reports of angels all over the place. Uh, people began to see. I don't know whether people's eyes are being opened or whether the angels are actually making themselves more visible. But people see this. Before the Lisbon earthquake, there's angelic, reports of angelic visitations all over the place. Peter Kraft, who is a philosopher at Boston University, supposes, proposes this. It may be that right now, and this is just being confirmed by a lot of voices, even some of the, the prophetic voices that, that I've heard in the last uh, several months, even this weekend, but it may be that God right now is stirring the pot and planning to do a new thing. That God is, if you look at our culture, things are really changing rapidly, spiritually speaking. And we'll talk more about that next week. There is a new thing going on here. And it has both positive and negative consequences. But people, one of the things that's going on, for better or for worse, and that's not always for the good, but people are seeing and experiencing more of this angelic presence stuff going on all around them. And I believe that Peter Kreft is right when he says that all the evidence indicates that God is planning to do a new thing. And this isn't an apocalyptic end of the world sort of a thing, though that maybe is a new thing that God's planning on doing. We just don't know. But God is stirring up his people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you've been a believer for very long and your eyes are open, you've got to, you must have seen this. That the church of God is taking on a new character. We're becoming bolder. But also the enemies of the church of God are becoming bolder as well. There's lines being drawn in the sand. The troops, it feels, are beginning to get themselves ready. 
Warfare is becoming more overt. God is coming out of the closet in the church in terms of signs and wonders and supernatural stuff. God is becoming more obvious. And the people of God, those who are listening to the voice of God, who've got their fingers turned to wind and saying, Lord, where are you moving? Those people are becoming more bold, more overt, more faithful, believing God to do what they could not do on their own. At the same time, it is very evident that the enemy is coming out of the closet, in this culture at least as well, and we're seeing more supernatural, evil, deceptive signs and wonders going on all around us, deceiving millions of people. And the presence of angels, good and evil, deceptive and true, has something to do with that. The bottom line of this whole thing is this. The book of Hebrews talks about angels in order to point to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to close just by saying this. This is not the time to be a believer about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a time to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. As God is ruffling the feathers, stirring the pot, troubling the waters, it is time to get out, uh, off of our butt-sitting pew mentality. That's the only word that came to my mind, sorry. <laughs> and get into the battlefield knowing that a myriad of angelic warriors are on our side. Let me close in prayer. Father, I pray, God, that you would be about making us warriors. Lord, I believe that some of what's going on around us Maybe all of what's going on around us, Lord God, is a preparation for a battle to come or a revival to come or a disaster to come. I don't know. We, we don't know these things, Lord. But we do know, Lord God, that you're on the move. And we pray, Lord God, that you'd be about getting us off the fence, Lord. I pray for anyone here, Lord, that has been addicted to mediocrity, Lord, that has been addicted to sitting on the fence. I pray, Lord God, that this morning, now, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Spirit, you'd be drawing them forward, Lord, to commit their lives to becoming passionate about you. Yes, Lord, call us, Lord, to have the warrior mentality of your warring angels, Lord, and to fight with a confidence knowing that they are on our side and that when we stand in you, the Lord Jesus Christ, nothing can prevail against us. It helps us to carry this attitude out with us, even as your guardian angels are with us as we go out, Lord. Remind us by the power of your spirit of who we are and what we're called to do as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen.